Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Friedman Files. I am your host, your co-host, Jesse Orch. And I am Barry Friedman. The the Friedman of the Friedman Files. Friedman of the Friedman of the <laughs> Friedman of the Plains, that's right. And yes. of the files. Of the files and the planes. Friedman of the preposition. That's what yes. we are for these days. Uh, in uh, this week's episode we're gonna talk about the President's Air National Trip. The new congressman from Montana, Gianforte. Trump's secretary of everything, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner. The continuing screw-ups that is the Oklahoma budget. And then we will end with, with as always, our tradition now, Jesse's rant and Barry's commentary. So let's go into it. Let's, let's start with President Trump's first international trip. Issue one. All right, Jesse, you want to give it a grade? <sighs> Honestly, I guess I was expecting worse. So i say like a C+. Plus. You know, because I I assume most people who aren't paying attention to the day to you know the the day to day of all the news from it probably think he did great, even though he didn't. I mean, it's it's pretty sad when even the Pope isn't happy to see you. But um, I don't know which part is more sad: the terrible note at Yad Vashem, the fact that it's clear his wife hates him, um, or that Europe thinks he's a joke. I don't know which one was worse. Oh, I, I think that, that not that Europe thinks it's a joke, but that Europe has decided it's on its own now without him, without us. I mean, I think Merkel's comment yesterday about how we're no longer a uh, a responsible partner says all you need to say, that uh, they're on, they feel like they're on their own, at least through the Trump administration. That's pretty serious stuff. And and you know the whole business about about the Yad Vashem and and the and the business about uh, in Italy not putting on your headset to listen to something you wouldn't understand even if you could understand the language. I mean, just that dismissal. Um, and at, at this point, you think, all right, well, Europe is on its own, uh, and and Donald Trump, for whatever reason, not for whatever reason, but I just don't think you can conduct foreign policy to make the Mike Huckabees and Sean Hannity's of the world happy. And that's essentially what this trip was. The The, the highlight would be, I suppose, if you're a Trump fan, would be the uh, the billion dollar plus, what was it, 150 billion or 100 billion uh, arms deal to Saudi Arabia. But the problem there is, um, you know, it's not going to create jobs. The jobs are with Raytheon and, and the other big manufacturers. And these jobs, from what I understand, come later on in support, maintenance, and upgrades of all these arms. And some jobs will be created. It won't be a big boon to the country. Billions have not been added to the country. Millions of jobs have not been added to the country anytime um, in the in the present and the other big problem is you've pretty much said to saudi arabia do whatever you need to do with whatever you need to do i mean they, they beheaded a woman uh this past week whose husband uh i think claimed she had an affair they beheaded her in the public square and and to say that far uh, human rights don't matter and women's rights don't matter and to be so cavalier about it 
I think is a huge story. And, you know, I guess there's a balance between human rights and, you know, national interests, but this was pretty shameless to me. And the whole business about uh, the party the Saudis threw, threw for him was over, a, what did I read? Hundreds of millions of dollars for this reception. Mm. And that Trump is more comfortable around despots than he is European leaders. That's pretty serious. Not to mention all the uh, ancillary stuff. I mean, the business about his wife and the Pope and, and Israel. and it, it was kind of embarrassing. It was embarrassing. The business about the cart and not walking the 700 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard to imagine that's what we want our president to be. I mean, it, if there is some statecraft or there's some soulcraft, as George Will used to say, I mean, we're failing on a lot of a lot of levels here, and I don't know how you spin it to say this is a good trip. I don't understand, and this is where this is where I get angry. Is that I want to know what conservatives believe, right? Because for eight years, while President Obama was doing what he was doing, he was accused of leading from behind and apologizing, and all these things he was doing to help America standing in the world so that we could have more partners and have more help in fighting terrorism and dealing with crises around the world. So fine, that's an argument that could be made. Not that I agree with it. And so you would assume the Republicans would want to do the opposite of that. They would want to make America look strong and they would you know, do all the things Obama did not do. Yet, I don't, Trump didn't, do any of those things he made us look worse he made us look weak that the the idea of america first internationally is that we don't care right we don't care all you do is owe us money we're not going to promise anything and we love despots now so what is it what what is it what is the actual foreign policy of the republican party at this point i don't know what it is anymore i think i think trumpism now is a cult and and what what happens now is whatever it is he does, he does for the cult, and anybody who criticizes it is against the cult. And what standards they have are just the standards set by Jim Jones. I mean, Donald Trump is Jim Jones with, with just as bad hair. Mm-hmm. They're not in Guyana somewhere, they're in the United States, but that's pretty much what it is. If you cannot reason with people, you cannot shake them from their uh, adherence and loyalty to Trump, and you can't, that 30% is is with us. I'll talk about that in the commentary, but that's part of who we are now. And that 30% is always going to be heard. There's always going to be an alternate universe for them. And I mean, whatever it is Trump does, even if it's uh, to be criticized, this 30% will say, yeah, but Obama did something sometime, somewhere tangentially related therefore same same and we're better off now and america has spoken that will be the refrain for the next four or five years oh by the way to um to people who care if we're accurate or not there was actually a correction run on the story about uh, president trump not having an earpiece to listen to the translation apparently he didn't have the headphones but he did have an earpiece and so that story was retracted and corrected yet you know they will accuse the media of making fake news again. So maybe he was listening, maybe he wasn't, but he had an earpiece in, so there's that. My apology. Yes. We'll fix yeah. that in the edit, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Well, he's back now. 
So and tweeting again. So he's we'll see back what and, he, and he's tweeting, and his lawyers have to be out of their minds that he's tweeting again. What he's opening himself up to in this investigation. The thing with Kushner is is um, sort of beyond uh, understanding. I'm. I have to give um, like Lindsey Graham brought up an interesting point yesterday on the Sunday shows. He's like, I don't. He doesn't believe the story because why would the Russian ambassador report on this? on channels he knew were being monitored unless the russians just want us to constantly look bad like why even if they were in cahoots the two of them right they'd still russia's main goal is to make america look bad not to actually work with the the trump camp right they're trying to make america look bad so why not report it it's very it gets it it it, it keeps going into multiple levels if you think about it too hard well once but, you call once you call out kushner you own him yeah. Once you say he here's what he did, you own him, and God knows what else they've said to them. I mean, they've been played by the Russians, uh, and and again, you want Russian intelligence to help you hide from American intelligence. How do you spin that? His father-in-law was not president at the time. Yeah, and Michael Flynn and, was at that meeting. And again, if if it was legal. Right, if you were just opening up a back channel, which apparently they have, all right, then announce that's what you're trying to do. But back channel for what? Yeah, to hide from American investigators and the American press. There was no, there's no policy. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't in the office yet. His father-in-law wasn't president yet. If if they say that it was for you know, uh, for fighting ISIS in the Syria's civil war, why would you need to hide that from American intelligence agencies? His father announced it. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's... Like, I I read recently that Trump's lawyers have to get lawyers now. So that's exciting. Right? When your lawyers need lawyers, you know there's a problem. Um, yeah. I just... I don't... I don't know how this story ends. I really don't. Like, is there... Like, what? what will actually be the smoking gun, as it were? And who will believe it when it happens? You know, I want one member of the Trump administration, whether it's Kelly or Kushner or, or it wouldn't be Trump, but, but one of them to, to spend the 11 hours in front of a committee the way Clinton did. Yes. And after 11 hours, be the one standing tall. And then years later, have the court throw out everything, saying there was nothing to it. But again, it's... Clinton did something somewhere. You can always throw out Benghazi and Lewinsky and... Uh, Obama drew the red line, and what was the uh, Fast and not Fast and Furious? Was it Fast and Furious? What was it? It, it was called. It was called the Fast and Furious. It was the uh, gun, the gun exchange yeah. program. You know, they, 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 that's that's what they 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 throw out. And again, um, Obama's not president anymore. Clinton's not president, and I don't know exactly how whatever it is Clinton did, which she didn't do, yeah, somehow was the moral equivalency of something you probably did do and are now hiding. And, and again, they, they would not. Imagine again, we could do this all day. If Hillary Clinton put her son-in-law in the White House and her son-in-law tried to open up a back channel to the Russians mm -hmm. before she was president, even after she was president, the right wing, the, the its brain matter would be would all over K Street. It would have imploded. It would have exploded. Uh, but her again, putting that, out, yeah. putting that out every week, which you can do every week, is, is yeah. a, a no-win. But it's there. Her son-in-law, also Jewish, so. Right. Uh, 
What is that? Nothing <laughs> it, yeah, it's like, what do we learn uh, from this? Yes. <laughs> we marry we marry into important families, apparently. Um Well, so should should we trans uh, since we sort of cover the Kushner thing anyway, um should we just transition into the new Montana representative? Yeah. What's uh, his first name? Do we know his first name? Uh, uh Greg. Greg, Greg. Forte. I was gonna say Ken. I was like, he feels like a Greg or a Ken. So yeah. Greg Jean Did Forte you... uh body slammed a reporter for The Guardian, a guy named Ben Jacobs, a really good reporter and a really good publication. Uh, because Jacobs had the temerity to ask him some questions about his wealth and and his history and his associations. Uh Fox actually verified the story. Uh and What's interesting to me, a lot of things interesting to me, is that uh, Gene Forte only apologized, half apologized, after he won. If he had lost the election, again, he might have won the election because 70% of the votes were already in uh, for early voting. So there's some indication that, that this isn't as bad a story as, as we'd like to point out. But again, the, the Republicans once again, um, once again, have completely failed to uh, rally around those Tenets of democracy, you think, well, this is it. First Amendment, the the one profession that is protected in the Constitution, the press. Where was the GOP? Again, Ben Sass of Nebraska came out and said some nice things. Uh, but who else is saying this is unacceptable? None of our representatives in Oklahoma, which we'll get to in a minute, said anything in supporting this reporter. 30% of the country, again, probably thinks, yeah, we should do this more often. The governor of Texas made a joke about shooting reporters, that he was going to walk around with his target practice sheet uh, to put the fear of God into these reporters. That's that's the country we want and protecting. What exactly is, as you've mentioned, with the conservatives, the right wing, what kind of country do they want? And when was that country great that we ever did things like this? Was there ever a time when we actually applauded a president who uh, associated more with despots than European leaders? Do we ever applaud and want a country that uh, candidates would, would body slam reporters to the ground for asking questions? When did that happen? Did that ever happen in the 50s? I don't think so. So we are uncharted territory. is a terrible cliche here, but I think that's where we are right now. Do you- did you listen to the audio of it? I did not. I did. I, not. I did. It's it's disturbing because it is so clear. Like it's just an incredible loud rustle happens, right? And I mean, I, I will say, and the, this is not my idea. This is from another uh, another political podcast. Uh, this is from John Lovett from uh, the Policy of America Universe. But he talked about how the reporter's reaction didn't help in this situation. Like I don't know how I would have responded if some someone had body slammed me, but his Maybe because he knew the voice recorder was going, he wanted to make it clear what just happened. But all he says at the end is like, you body slammed me. You broke my glasses. And then he asked for the names of the Fox News people because he's calling the police. Like, I would have been, he, he doesn't even sound angry. Like, I would have been angry. Well, he was a reporter. I mean, I didn't read afterwards. You know, he's, he's doing his job. He's doing, he's doing his job. Of keeping his, keeping his objectivity as that's possible. Oh, okay. If you remember back, you wouldn't remember because you weren't born yet. But when Daniel Shore was put on President Nixon's uh, enemies list, then he, he got a he got a list. He got a list of the list, and Daniel Shore on air live is reading the names off this list, and he gets to his own name, and he reads it without emotion. 
Just Daniel Schur, CBS News. He goes on to the next list, goes on to the next person on the list. And I think that's what happened here. Jacobs knew enough to know this, know this is going to be a story. And he wanted to make sure that he was as objective in this story as possible. My glasses were broken. You body slammed me. Probably better that he didn't throw a punch. But I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, how could you be that dispassionate? Yeah. At, at one point, do like my my worry about this is that it's almost like they keep poking journalists, right, hoping that actual objective journalists who tr- who are trying to do their job and trying to be objective and trying to tell the news finally react, right, and finally start fighting back almost in a sense, because that's why I think you know these people want because. Either either way, journalists are going to look bad, right? But it's better if they're also fighting against you. In this case, they're still trying to be objective. It's, uh, it's, it's mind blowing, really, at this point. And well, again, I mean, they they they, they can't they whoever they are yeah, the, they. the right cannot keep doing this uh, and hope to get away with it. There's just too many people out there reporting. There's too many reporters out there angry. Too many reporters out there who are worried, and too many good reporters out there who are doing good work. Uh, this is going to come back and get them. I don't know when, but the, the Trump administration, the, those people, they're more ruthless than they are smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're unconscionable, but they're not particularly, uh, uh, they're not long-range thinkers. And they're going to be caught on this. There's going to be something that's going to happen that they will not be able to rebound from. I mean, again, I was just in Iceland. I don't know if I talked about this or not, but I was in Iceland. And the prime minister there who helped them out of their economic hole they were in after 2008 had to resign for being associated with the Panama Papers uh, controversy. Just associated. He didn't do anything wrong. Nothing was proved. But he had to uh, resign because it didn't look good. Imagine if we had that standard in America. So at some point, with everything that's gone on with the Trump administration, they're going to be called on it. I don't know when. It may not be till the second term, but it's going to happen. That's yeah. my optimism for the for this week's podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my my hope comes in the fact that eventually they're going to need they're going to ha- they're going to want some someone, probably like Fox News or whatever, to be believed. And at that point, they will have done so much destruction against journalism that no one will believe what they want them to believe either. And then it's just chaos. Uh, yeah. So ha- yeah, happy times again in uh, in the United States of America. But, yeah, so he's back, and, you know, hopefully he's getting some sleep, because I know presidents get a little cranky on foreign trips, so. And he yeah. does like his own bed, as we keep hearing. Yes, as we keep hearing, because, uh, anyway. All right, All right so. To Oklahoma. Yes, to Oklahoma. So, okay, so give me the timeline here, because I was trying to follow it, and I couldn't. Uh, well, <laughs> Again, we had a $900 billion million budget deficit that we had to uh, address. And we have a legislature that meets once a year for about three or four months. And, of course, they waited till the last two weeks to actually do this in any seriousness. And it's where uh, spinelessness met the oil industry. And, and guess who won? Mm-hmm. Uh we we passed a couple of things again to close this nine hundred million dollar budget deficit. There are two things they could have done, easy things they could have done, which they can't do. One is raise the gross production tax, which is now like for two percent up to eleven, where Texas and North Dakota have theirs. We lowered ours through the years to help spur 
production. The second thing is we've been cutting uh, income taxes for years, and that also took a big chunk out of the budget. So the problem is you can't raise taxes in Oklahoma without three quarters, 75% of the legislator voting for it or vote of the people. That's not going to happen. And of course, the gross production tax is going to be stymied because big oil in the state runs things. So of course, they're not going to allow it. So here's what the Oklahoma legislature in all their glory decided to do this year. I'll just do this quickly. Raise cigarette tax taxes by $1.50 per pack. Now that's supposed to raise about $215 million. That's if Oklahomans don't die uh, from smoking that much. And if they do die, the hope is they'll die quickly and not jack up health costs. There was a partial removal of sales tax exemption of motor vehicles, which means you could once give a family member a car tax-free, not anymore. They raised the tax on certain horizontal drills, uh, the wells that drilled prior to July of 2015 a little bit. That should raise about $100 million, but that's only 11% of the wells in the state. Now, let's stop for a minute here. Smokers are being taxed more than the frackers. Uh, they've done some other things with, with gross production tax limits, uh, rebates, and they've uh, added some cuts on um, uh, itemizing tax uh, when you itemize your, 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 your tax return, they've, they've, they've cut, they've, they've made that a limit. Um, they capped that at certain things. The problem is that in, in the Constitution in Oklahoma, you cannot raise, bring up revenue bills the last five days of the session because for the, precisely this reason. Uh, they, they have the 60, $680 billion budget, whatever it is, and they have like 12 minutes to read the thing. So they wanted to avoid that. Uh, plus, these bills have to be introduced in the House and receive three-quarters of the support in both chambers. Now, the problem is, or what they tried to do, because they're very clever here, is they don't call them taxes. They call them fees. And the reason they're going to be challenged in court is that many of these things are, in fact, taxes like the cigarette tax, but they call them fees. And if you call them fees, you don't need three-quarters of the 75% to pass them. Um, Will this balance the budget? No, we're still going. Many of our school districts are still going four days a week. Uh, Harold Ham won this. The the oil lobby won this. Uh, it was pretty despicable, and certainly spineless and ineffective. But the session is now over. We'll do this next year and have another multi-hundred million dollar deficit, and we'll be going through this again. You cannot nickel dime nickel and dime a billion dollar deficit, especially if you don't have any backbone. And we don't. But again, it's it's not like the legislators are doing this and and the voters uh, are surprised. I mean, the Republicans picked up seats last sessions. The voters, obviously, majority, like what's going on. Why would they keep voting these people in? Um, your kids go to school four days a week instead of five days a week. Uh, I suppose until they start cutting out sports from these high school budgets, Will anything really happen? At that point, I think you'll you'll meet have people go down to Oklahoma City with pitchforks and torches and make uh, make legislators uh, provide some money for school. But it is a very sad situation here. The, the best thing about that ha- the best thing that happened in Oklahoma legislatively this year is that a lot of the really crazy laws, the abortion stuff, the uh, partial birth stuff, the Ten Commandments stuff, which they passed. But I mean, the really crazy stuff, the stuff that makes headlines all over the country, that didn't happen. Mary Fallon actually vetoed a couple of bills which were crazy. One had to do with the payday loan industry. Um, 
So you know you, you're not a laughing stock if you if you raise taxes on cigarette smokers, but it certainly didn't do it. And again, cigarette smokers did not cause the deficit. And I'm no fan of smoking, but to say that we're going to balance the budget on the backs and diseased lungs of these smokers is really uh, irresponsible. And so, so what happens now? Like, is this actual the actual budget for next year, or does it have well, to yeah, if it's time? not if it's not uh, challenged in court, which is going to be, uh, I think that's how it goes forward. And then they go to whatever national agency they go to issue bonds to make up the difference. Because I don't even think if everything goes through here, they have enough to actually balance the budget. But there's so many games and late legislatures play to balance the budget, uh, while crowing how they have to balance their budget and the federal government doesn't. In no way does what happened in Oklahoma balance the budget. And 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 I saw both that the former, um, you know, I think 2016 Teacher of the Year who's in Oklahoma is leaving for de- for Texas somewhere. Yeah, Texas pays about I think it's on average, uh, what did I read? Between ten and twenty thousand dollars more a year. Uh, I think Kansas pays more, Arkansas pays more. Oklahoma, people who say that Oklahoma teachers, while underpaid, apparently there's some distinction between what Oklahoma teachers get in terms of health benefits uh, and what Texas uh, uh, teachers get in terms of health benefits. I think ours are paid here while theirs are not. So there's some distinction between salary versus salary versus salary versus salary and benefits. But the fact is Texas teachers make more than Oklahoma teachers. Period. Yeah, the um, teacher of the year and his wife, who's also a teacher, are getting twenty thousand dollars raises each. Yeah, for leaving. But again, so, Oklahoma, the majority doesn't embarrass easily here. You would think that would be a major embarrassment. And again, what what could be smarter? What could be a better campaign platform than to say we're going to fund public education? Somewhere along the line, they've decided public education is one of those things like. I don't know, arts, arts, and arts, that uh, it's negotiable. And then, of course, they throw in all the, uh, throw all the old canards about how you can't throw money at education. But, yeah, but you can't throw money at education, but you should be able to uh, at least be there five days a week. And I think now 20% of the state, something like that, is now not going to five-day school weeks. There's a thing I mentioned during the governor's state of the state address back in February when, you know, initiating this session uh, she said that we will have schools five days a week and that got a standing ovation i thought geez that's that's now not a given that's a goal we're now going that that's what we're striving for to have school five days a week that's what we've come to that's how far we've lowered the bar that's embarrassing you know for 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 all the uh democrats who are going to be running for governor uh, who listen to this podcast which is all of them obviously may i suggest that when you're talking about education in the state, why don't you suggest that? Why don't you make it personal and be like, can't we be better than Texas? Right? Isn't the one thing Oklahomans can get behind? Can't we beat Texas in something? Well, this will not be it. Uh, All right. I think, we're, I think it's time to, uh, to close this sunny edition of... Yes fifth edition yes all right so uh before barry you know gives us his words of wisdom i would like to talk to two specific groups of people one people who pull out their cell phones in movie theaters now listen i understand you're gonna have to pull out your cell phone it happens uh 
but everyone has a smartphone now. So for everyone listening, please, for the love of God, turn your brightness down to zero. You'll still be able to see your phone just fine. It won't blind me, but you'll be able to see it. It's not hard. If you have an iPhone, you just swipe up. There's a little brightness thing. If it's an Android, you swipe down from the top. Just do it. People have forgotten how to change brightnesses on screens, apparently. Anyway, it came up recently, and it really annoys me. So people need to stop it. Like, I have to sit through the 18 cell phone messages. You could at least turn your brightness down. Okay? That's, that was what, the, that's what annoys yeah. you this week? Well, <laughs> that that's, you know, it's small things for me. I, I have to, I have to, you know, balance out my hatred. But but here's who re- who's really, really angry at me this week. You might not have heard this because you probably don't read as much nerdy news as I do. But there's a there's a chain of movie theaters um, out of Texas called the Alamo Draft House, and they, in preparation for Wonder Woman, which comes out a week or so from now, are doing a at least two women only screenings of the movie, where all the people working are women. The projectionist is a woman. Only women or people who identify as women can buy tickets. At the same time, there's a group of people. Uh, the, there's a new Star Trek show coming out in the fall, and a trailer for it hit this week. And I imagine these two people who I'm going to yell at are the same group of people. But there are men, who I assume are white, who are angry at the Alamo Draft House and Star Trek Discovery. They're mad at the Alamo Draft House because why can't they go to the women's only screening of Wonder Woman? When do they get their movie? And to them I say, you already have all of the movies. Why are you mad about this? Every other superhero movie is a guy, most of the time a white guy. You are not being left out. You are not being placed aside. It's just the one moment there is a female superhero and maybe women want to enjoy it without you. Same to the people who are saying that Star Trek Discovery, because there is no white people in the main cast, is somehow racist. It's not. And if you were a fan of Star Trek, you would understand that. So I would like you, I would like both those groups of people to take five seconds and point their hate somewhere productive and not at the things that are incredibly logical and make complete sense if you think about it for more than five seconds. And I'm done. All right. We're going to have a movie moment here. We're going to have have reviews coming up next week. Yes. Jesse's Cultural Corner. All right. Just to uh, continue with this uh, end of the presidential trip, I guess I just need to know what kind of president feels more comfortable with the Saudis than the Europeans. He gets on better with Duarte of the Philippines and Putin of Russia more than Macron of France and Merkel of Germany. Is he so easily played that being treated like a king by a repressive, misogynistic regime is more important to him than a dialogue among friends. Here's the thing. Vladimir Putin could have made the same trip, same stop, said the same things as Trump, and that's not enough to give Trump supporters pause. You could not conduct American foreign policy, as I mentioned, to appease the likes of Mike Huckabee and Sean Hannity. You talked tough to Merkel of Germany and curtsy to the king of Saudi Arabia. This is disgraceful, even if you discount his buffoonery with pushing the prime minister of Montenegro and then printing like a three-year-old for mommy for potting by himself. Uh, How do you not, if you're American president, reaffirm Article 5 of NATO, clearly unambiguously state which commits alliance members to mutual defense unless Putin is writing your speech? 
And we wait once again for Republicans to choose country over party, the country's dignity and reputation over tax cuts for the rich. The absolute heartlessness, insensitivity, arrogance, and distemper of this president, this shell of a human being, to not mention those three victims in Portland trying to prevent domestic terrorism, but instead congratulating a candidate who choked a reporter. That's who we have in the White House. His supporters, Christians and non-Christians, coal miners and members of the GOP, veterans who still support him, are the responsible parties here. Trump has always been Trump, no surprise. What's disappointing here is how much of America has always been Trump as well.